Welcome to today's summer edition, heard right across regional Queensland on the Resonate Network. And it's a big thanks to the Australian Mungbean Association back for another week. And yes, getting one week closer to this year's NRL season. We'll talk a little bit about the Auckland Nines shortly. But first of all, I'll introduce the two co-hosts, Scotty Parkinson. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Watsy. How are you, champion? You must be getting quite nervous before the big awards tonight. Mate, yeah, really looking forward to it. Uh, thanks, Scott. It should be a great night down here. 280 tickets is uh, sold out tonight. Uh, race is underway at Pioneer Park. They're racing on a heavy track, but who can begrudge uh, the western towns some rain? Uh, Travelled through to room uh, in Omaha Emerald last night, some torrential downpours, and uh, yeah, it goes from one extreme to the other as I swing over to the people's champ, Nick Batman. Good afternoon. <laughs> good afternoon, Wattie. Good to hear from you. Appreciate you chiming in uh, all the way from Emerald, uh, and yeah. despite your near-death experience. <laughs> oh, look, yeah. as we said on local radio this morning, um, like the horses, the drivers don't experience wet roads too much either, and uh, lucky I had a trusty co-pilot that swept the whole way um, <laughs> to get me here safe, pardon me, safe and sound. But um, I'm going to swing to the... Um, Auckland Nines, which are now in WA, the NRL Nines, Scott. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a mix of players this year. We've got some has-beens, some was-nevers, and some <laughs> AFL players in the mix. Yeah, well, I, I like how you still call it the Auckland Nines, but it's clearly moved. I think they've changed the name. Um, but yeah, mate, it's, a, it's an interesting one. And I think the biggest issue for me and the biggest concern is players getting injured. And I think, you know, you, what team do you pick? Do you pick a side that you want to win the Nines? Do you blood young players... Um, I think it's a very interesting idea for clubs and how they protect their players. But, mate, I'm happy with it. I mean, I'm a league fan. I think, you know, the Nines is a good concept. But, I mean, my biggest concern is I would rather lose a Nines than lose a player with a season-ending injury. So yeah. that, that to me, is a big risk. Corey Parker's coming out of retirement, um, one of the greatest rigs in Longreach. My hair's actually uh, modelled um, after his, right. uh, the salt and pepper magpie look. So <laughs> um, he's a hero of mine, Corey Parker. But interesting. Nick, what are your thoughts? Yeah, look, they don't seem to know why they're doing it. Is it just purely for entertainment? Like, uh, you know, rugby sevens, that's a separate sport now. Yes. Yeah, they've got completely separate teams. And because... Yes, they want to win, but in, fundamentally, it's a fun adaptation of the game. It's short, sharp, and done. Whereas this one, they seem to be, are we using it as a warm-up? As you say, do we want to blood young players? Uh, do we want to risk our best players in a, you know, a silly pre-season tournament? Yeah, so they're not sure what, what it's aimed at, and I, I think. think. And then what's he also, too, I think rugby league, for me, strategically, is not at the same level as the AFL. And I don't think they really know what they want to do or how they're doing things. I mean, how many chops and changes have we seen to the NRL schedule? So, you know, the Nines was a concept that was scrapped, and now it's back on. So I'd like to know, what is the NRL's goal with the Nines? What is the NRL's goal, you know, moving forward? What Mm. is their strategic plan? Because if we're trying to compete with AFL, we need consistent things in place. Um, I just think they're a bit wishy-washy. Would you agree with that, that, Watson? That's a a great point, Scott, because if you look at the... AFL, and it, it is a genuine preseason, the Lightning or whatever they call it. You've got a lot, and they do blood a lot of youth. Mm, yes. Whereas I don't know if the concept of having 37 year old retired players or cross um, code players would be in the crosshairs for the NRL, but it's how it's landed. And I think you're exactly right, Parker. I don't know where they're going with it, but it is back for this year, and um, good luck to uh, all the teams travelling over there. Now, we talk about stealing the show, and we talk about. Um, great entertainment. Well, that that was two things that were worlds apart the other day because I can tell you, everybody can tell you who the uh, 
halftime entertainment was at the NFL Super Bowl. But who were the two teams? Who won? <laughs> well, exclusively on the summer edition, I can say Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl. Um, but yeah, you're right. The, 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 a lot of the effort or a lot of the emphasis in Australia, obviously, mm. is put on the the halftime entertainment. Obviously, the ads as and the well. The ads. I mean, but that's American as well. They, uh, you know, the the discussion of the ads after the game is just as heavy as the discussion of the game itself, if not more so. And some ridiculous price tag, Nick. I think it's mm. for a second of time. It's oh. over a hundred thousand or even more. Uh, for a second time, but the the halftime entertainment. What's your tell you? I think the on the bit awards will probably equal that with their <laughs> halftime entertainment, which is uh, you and Kobe O'Brien doing a little dance on the stage. Oh, don't worry. I know who's going to steal the show. It'll be none other than Rupert McCall. Uh, <laughs> can't wait for his rendition. I've been talking him up for the last six to eight weeks. Yeah, so pressure's on you. Doesn't let us down. We certainly won't. <laughs> talking about great entertainment, Nick, coming up this hour on the summer edition. Yeah. Look, uh, first up, I talked to uh, rugby great and. Uh, very well-respected commentator Tim Horan. Just looking back at the first round of the Super Rugby, mainly from the Australian point of view, and we also did a little bit of a preview of uh, Queensland Reds taking on the Lions in Johannesburg tonight. Now, after that, we're going to be catching up... Do you remember, up... sorry, yeah, Nick, do you remember on. when the Lions were the absolute whipping boys? Oh, yeah, yeah, gosh, yes. And I uh, now... I them every year. <laughs> of course you did. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, South African tours are notoriously tough, so it's a real challenge there for the Reds. Now, coming up to that, we're chatting with Peter Terry, an academic from USQ. What's he? He was an interesting chat, and um, it's around the use of music in motivation towards sport... And we all know it. His first song, I think, comes to mind, something like Eye of the Tiger. But he goes into <laughs> other other sports, like a boxer that he works with who listens to classical music. Mm. And Nick, it's a completely different take on sports psychology. For sure. And one, yeah, we all relate to I know uh, Parker here doesn't like to swim without listening to something. Well, funny story. I, new technology. I played a game of dodgeball with the kids during the week um, and put on Eye of the Tiger. I had to turn it off. It got too heated. <laughs> Oh, that's no word of a lie. It fires people that's up. Hilarious. And these were preps. <laughs> Angry. I, I, worked, Angry I, young I worked out last week listening to the summer edition. <laughs> and your heart rate was going through the roof. All right. Then after that, we catch up, Parker, with Frank Lamley from uh, Central Highlands Rugby League. That a big comp. Well, we're trying to steal ideas because we talk about all these competitions of suffering and whatever Frank and the Central Highlands are doing, they're going gangbusters. I think 16 teams, they've got women's rugby league, men's mm. rugby league, and, and basically, Nick, we just try to steal some ideas and find out what's <laughs> going on down there, what's in the water. Fantastic. And finally, in this first hour, we catch up with friend of the show, uh, racing legend, and on-the-bit guest, Pam O'Neill. What's he? I've been uh, trying to get through the crowd to find Pam today. <laughs> She's very short. <laughs> I've been stuck at the bookies, but anyway, she's around. I'm really looking forward to her tonight, and uh, this afternoon she just gives a little insight into what she's been up to in recent times. Fantastic. This is the summer edition on 4LG, 4VL, 4ZR, 4HI, 4LM, 4GC, 4SB, and Hot Country, thanks to the Australian Mung Bean Association. Let's get munging. This is the summer edition on the Resonate Network. Uh, there is a time in a man's life when he realises his sporting heroes are younger than he is. Uh, for that, for me, that happened a few years ago now when uh, the, my next guest was playing for the Wallabies. He's now a well-respected commentator. He joins me on the phone. Tim Horan, how are you going this afternoon? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks. Great to be on the show. And uh, yes, uh, obviously after last week's first round of Super Rugby, we get a chance to get into February. It's surreal for playing rugby in January, but um, yeah. this weekend will be all, all February. That's right. Yeah, it was a tough. Um, it was a good, a bit of an advantage for Queensland having uh, been training in the heat, but uh, not the result they were after in this first round. 
No, they uh, they went well in the first 40 minutes and then just probably lost their way a little bit. The Brumbies got a lot more ball and, and came home late in that second half. So uh, probably a bit more you know experience needed from a couple of the younger players at the Queensland Reds. Good to see guys like Harry Wilson played his first mm. match at number eight and you know could be a long career in the Reds jersey. And you know they're still a young team, but they're an experienced team. I think when you look at it, Brad Thorne has been there. This is his third year in charge as head coach, not as assistant coach. And you know, 2018 he won six matches. 2019 they won six matches and. Um, this year, for the Reds, I think, to be successful, probably got to win seven or eight matches, and that will get them a chance to maybe get to the final. Yeah, I did see there are some very good... They seem to be at more variable in their attack, which I thought was a really good sign. Yeah, I think that probably comes from, you know, when you lose an experienced player like Samu Karevi. The way they played with Samu Karevi was a very much direct approach, getting across the advantage line early with Samu Karevi, then laying a bit of a platform for the forwards to come around the corner, and uh, with no Samu Karevi, that forces the Queensland Reds, you know, to, to play someone like a James O'Connor at 12, Jordan Pattaya at 13, and they're attacking players. So that forces you to go more wide, which I think is probably going to suit the Queensland game plan as we go further in the Super Rugby competition, even though they've got a, a tough one this weekend against the Lions in Johannesburg. Uh, they're very hard to beat over there, but I just think the, the game plan may suit the Reds to spread the ball a bit wider. Yeah, now, last week on this show, I made the very bold prediction that Queensland would win the Australian Conference. Um, I'm not sure how that'll go, but, you know, you've got to show faith, don't you? And um, how do you fancy the other teams? Now, I mean, obviously, the Brumbies, are, you know, they've always been, the, or they have been the form team in Australia for some time. But the, uh, how do you assess the Rebels and the Waratahs? Yeah, I think, um, first of all, you look at the Brumbies, they should be top of the Aussie Conference, um, unless the Queensland Reds get some momentum. I think the, the Brumbies, their first five matches, three at home, one away at the Sunwall, so they've got a pretty good draw in their first five weeks. Mm. Um, the Waratahs is probably a rebuilding year for them. I think they've got you know, Will Harrison, young flyhalf, they've got a, a young winger, um, they've got a lot of these younger players coming through, so it's probably a rebuilding phase for them. And then you look at the Rebels, um, you know, very good backline. You know, Marika Corabetti, uh, Dane Hallett-Petty, uh, Reese Hodge, those three players will need to stay fit for the Rebels to be any chance to, to win, you know, more than three or four matches. Um, it's a tough one for the Rebels this year and probably had a big chance last year to make the finals and let that slip. And yeah. It probably comes down to their forward pack, how they perform. So, And then you look at the Reds and good young team, but, you know, really need to pull the trigger on winning seven or eight matches That's this right. year to be successful. For sure. Now, there's a lot of seems to be a number of good young players from across the Australian Conference too that are new to the game, but uh, looking good, like Harry Wilson, one you mentioned. Yep, a lot of young players, and I think it's um, the way the Australian under twenties performed last year at the under twenty World Cup, where they made the final against France and just lost. But uh, a lot of those players coming through, Nick Frost, uh, young second rower who will play for the Brumbies uh, this weekend. Uh, will Harrison plays fly half for the. The Waratahs, you know, Harry Wilson, those sort of players. Fraser McWright, who will get a chance with the Queensland Reds soon. He's got a broken thumb, but those players you know, need to come through and get some experience at this top-class level. Yep, for sure. Well, thanks very much for your time today, Tim. Now, before I let you go, uh, we asked one guest a week a uh, question for summer for the barbecue. What's your top three things to throw in a barbecue? Top three things to throw in a barbecue. <laughs> Number one, sausages. Fantastic. Um, if anyone has that outside of their top three, well, they're not uh, a real Aussie. Um, <laughs> maybe uh, a little bit of chilli chicken uh, as well. Okay. And, and then uh, like your last one would be a um, something like some uh, you know beef ribs or something like that. You know, if you can if you can cook them well enough. So um, 
but yeah, um, I think the great thing about Aussie barbecues is having your mates around and cooking a beer and uh, you know having a beer and cooking some you know food that everyone loves these days. You've got, got to go a bit more vegetarian as well. That's right. Well, okay. <laughs> thanks very much for your time again, Tim. Yeah, this, always, th- always good to chat. Looking forward to uh, this great Super Rugby season. All these younger players coming through. For sure. This is the summer edition on the Resonate Network. Back with the summer edition, uh, heard right across regional Queensland on the, the Resonate Network, Network. Nick Backstrom's across the studio from me, and he's just shaking his head. Now, I don't want you to judge me, Nick, but that song there's on my playlist at the gym. You are judged. <laughs> <laughs> but what is it about music at the gym and in life in general? You know, you hear a trigger song, and it can it can make you happy, it can make you sad. Oh, music is incredibly powerful on so many levels. Now, uh, it's yeah. a bit of a, a bit of a change of subject for here on the summer edition. All <laughs> thanks to the Australian Mung Bean Association. We got per- Professor Peter Terry from USQ joining us this afternoon. How are you, mate? Good, thank you. Nice to speak to you. Now, Miley Cyrus, there's no judging there, surely. (laughs) (laughs) It takes all sorts to make a world, eh? It certainly does. Mate, just tell us a little bit about uh, your work at USQ. Sure. Uh, Look, uh, the the paper we just published is is what we call a meta-analysis. That's that's an objective summary of all the research ever done in this field of um, music and sport and exercise. And the the first study actually was published way back in 1911. Mm. um, That They used to hold these six-day cycle races in New York, and the the researcher observed that the uh, cyclist went faster when the band was playing. (laughs) (laughs) It all all started from there. But uh, we we actually summarised 139 uh, research papers from across the world and, uh, and essentially there's four benefits of, of, of music in sport and exercise um, and I'll go through them you know, one at a time so if we look at it no, no surprise that music makes, uh, you know, can change your emotion it makes you feel better and it, as, as you know, just pointed out um, there are very few things in life as powerful as music for that purpose and, and uh, so but some athletes really use it in quite a sophisticated way. It's not all about, you know, simply the best and, 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 and trying to pump yourself up. I, I, I worked with an Olympic boxer who actually was uh, a super heavyweight Olympic champion, and he used to listen to Japanese classical music. Wow. Um, the reason being, he, he was a sort of a, a, a boxer, not a fighter, if you like, and, and so the, the, that music really, he warmed his hands up to make it, it had very light and precise sort of, qualities to the music and that's what he wanted in his in his fighting you know so yeah, yeah. Uh, so people do get quite sophisticated you can generate all sorts of emotions through music you know another example there uh, olympic rower he listened to red hot chili peppers get on top and that's what it, you know i have to dominate the opposition here um and you know it's going to be painful i know that but uh, you know fight through that you know, michael phelps the olympic swimmer when he won his uh, eight gold medals he was he was listening to gangster rap before every race, mm. and um, when he got home, he actually went and thanked Little Wayne, who was the, the <laughs> rap artist, uh, for, for inspiring him. And that was all about you know, don't mess with me. I'm the man. You can't you can't touch me. That sort of thing. So that's that's one thing. Um, the second bit is that um, it, it reduces how hard we think we're working. It's what's called perceived exertion. <laughs> 
So you know, when you're working in time to music in particular, you, know, you just get that little bit more out of yourself. Um, so you work a little harder or the same for a little longer. Um, and you get about a 5 to 10% benefit in perceived exertion. Wow. Uh, um, yeah, which is, you know, it's quite significant. The third thing is it does actually, music does actually improve performance, particularly in endurance events, uh, aerobic events. So you're talking, you know, um, cycling, running, um, rowing, even swimming and walking, you know. Um, so there's quite good evidence that you get a small but significant benefit, particularly when you're working in time with the music, a, a strong regular beat, you're looking at about 120 to 140 beats per minute, typically, with those sort of uh, lyrics that, that affirm movement, you know, like keep on running or, you know, stronger yeah. and so on. So there's, there's elements in the music that, that are important, but it can improve performance. So it seems... Fourth, sorry. sorry go, you, go, you go, you go. Keep yeah, going. the fourth bit is that it actually does affect our physiology. So when, when you're working in time to music, there's about a 1% saving... Uh, in oxygen consumption, mm. and that, that's what feeds the muscles, um, which is really, it's not just in your head. This is a physiological change. And when we put people in MRI scanners and, and play music, you can see uh, an enhancement in the blood flow efficiency. And also, it just kind of uh, helps, to, um, helps to regulate the movement pattern. So, you know, the, the rhythm of the music becomes a rit more rhythmical action, and that is slightly more efficient. So that, that's essentially an overview of the of the evidence. Right. So you're saying for those sportsmen that you mentioned, it's obviously they've got very personal choices in music, but there's also a style of music which you think is could be quite universally beneficial. Right. Well, that, that's a very good question. The, the, the evidence suggests that although there are uh, ways to optimise the benefit of music, there is a more generalised benefit of music from any from any music. So. Any, you could say any music is better than no music for, for the vast majority of people. Um, so that's good news, really. The message there is, you know, put on the sounds and get moving. Um, but, um, of course, people have their favourites, you know. Yeah. Um, we, we are, uh, and the favourites uh, come about sometimes through these associations. That, I think you mentioned that. You know, it's something that reminds me of a good time. It makes me feel happy. It reminds me of a good performance. So... Those associations are very powerful, and they're very enduring as well. And yeah. Music's very powerful as well, away from sport, and uh, even I work in a kitchen. And um, when we're in the trenches and you're getting swamped with orders, we're like, right, let's get the playlist on, and it immediately just pump, puts you straight into gear. Exactly. It's, it actually is very difficult to think of anything that's more powerful for changing people's moods uh, and emotions. And it, interestingly enough, there's never been a civilization throughout human history that did not have music. Uh, um, and so it's almost a, it's a very instinctive, almost primeval response you get from these things. You, know, you think back on those galley slaves a thousand years ago, uh, pulling you know pulling the oars to the sound of a, a regular drum beat. You know, so it's been around a long time. Marching into war to the sound of music. Um, you know, it, we use it for almost every celebration. You know, whether it's you know births, marriages, deaths. Um, so it, it's such a fundamental part of human existence that, of course, it has this power. And why wouldn't it? And it's a question of, well, let's try and harness that power. Professor Peter Terry from USQ, thanks for your time this afternoon and contribution to the summer edition and a little bit of an insight into music, well, not just in sport, but in life in general. Mm. Yeah, you're very welcome. Thanks very much.
It is the summer edition heard across the Resonate Network. This is the summer edition on 4VL, 4ZR, 4HI, 4LM, 4GC, 4LG, 4SB and Hot Country. Now, Parker, rugby league season is upon us. And, of course, everyone's thinking about NRL, but, of course, uh, NRL wouldn't be there without the grassroots. And uh, we've got the president of the Central Highlands Rugby League, Frank Lamley. G'day, Frank. How are you going today? Uh, how are you, Bruce? Good, good, mate. You seem to have a cracker season lined up there, a record number of, of teams, including uh, women's teams. Tell us what's happening. Yeah, we've uh, got Claremont coming back into the comp after having a year left, so they've rallied up there, and they look like they're actually going to have a fairly strong side. So right. they've come back in to make it an eight-team competition, and our women should be holding their own, and hopefully with our young under-19s in the Ozuzu under-19 championships that, that runs basically in the pre-season, we'll have our four teams and is looking pretty good there. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Frank, um, it's Parker here, mate. A lot of competitions and a lot of people we speak to um, around around the region, they're struggling to get numbers, and you guys just seem to be building and building every year. What do you put it down to, mate? Why is there so much enthusiasm and, and so much participation in the Central Highlands? Um, I think our clubs, you know, they, they do work hard. Our people that run our clubs, there's a fair good core of people that run their clubs, like everywhere else, but I think um, the mining industry is having a strong... Uh, silent little boom, there's extra numbers coming back into the Highlands, so where they were running a little bit thinner last year, they they seem to be uh, looking like they'll get a side, everyone will be fairly comfortable getting their sides, and a few of them are pretty keen to have a crack at the Premiership, so that's how we roll. Well, I want to talk about the premiership. Now, obviously, I don't want to put you on the spot and you've got to you know, keep everyone happy. Um, but Bluff, who have made three grand finals, can they do it this year? Oh, I think they'd have to be going in with a favour at the moment. They've uh, done some pretty good recruiting in the off-season and uh, they're looking pretty solid. And for them, they had a trial of training the other day and they won a premiership at 12 going to the best training session. So that's where they were. So they look like they're pretty keen to have a big year. Uh, Chris Conway is a stalwart of that club and he's really keen to get a premiership down there. They're going for it hard. Well, now you've annoyed the other teams in the competition. That's okay. Because <laughs> um, last year, I know that Dysart were the team to, to kind of beat. Um, is it a two-way, two-horse race matter, or is it a pretty close competition? Well, I think it might close up a little bit. There seems to be a few rumours around that uh, teams are starting to recruit a few players. I've been down to the Middlemount training session. Obviously, we work there. So uh, they had uh, pretty good numbers for their first couple of pre-season games, training sessions, I should say. So I think they'll, uh, they'll be a little bit better than last year. They've got a very young side that they're building on, so they'll probably be a two- or three-year prospect. But Claremont coming back in, there'll be a few players coming out of Dysart and go back to Claremont now because they build up right. there. And obviously, so they uh, Dysart have lost a couple, but they've still got their core core Dysart players. They're very fair and orientated club, so those blokes will stay on. So they'll still be strong, but obviously with Claremont coming back in, they'll lose a couple of good players back over to there. And, um, Frank, obviously Women's Rugby League, it's become huge, not only at a country level, but also on a national level with the with the NRLW. Um, have you seen, and I've noticed the standard of, of Women's Rugby League is just going um, going great guns. Have you noticed that in the local competition as well? Yeah, we're starting to get those young girls now. That Where the girls sort of started five years ago, where they started actually playing girls' rugby league right through the age groups. Those girls are now turning 18, 19-year-olds, so... They're starting to progress up. They actually haven't had that four or five years off rugby league, so they've still got that skill level that's been maintained. They've played junior football all the way through, so 
those girls are there, plus you've still got the other girls that have been there now for four or five years. It's really building on their skill, skill base. Yeah, it's fantastic. It looks like a great outlook for uh, Central Highlands Rugby League. And, uh, of course, who knows where that goes to in the future. Frank Lamley, President of the Central Highlands, thanks very much for your time. Though. We may catch up with you, uh, see how the season's progressing later in the year. Yeah, keep up the good work, yeah. mate. It's outstanding. Bye, boys. Have a good night. Thanks, mate. That, this is the Summer Edition on the Resonate Network. Back with the Summer Edition heard right across regional Queensland on the Resonate Network. You can catch us on 4VL, 4ZR, 4HI, 4LM, 4GC, 4LG, 4SB and Hot Country. It's finally here, Nick. The night of nights of country <laughs> racing. Mate, and you, uh, you are very excited, I can tell. Very excited. We have, we have been for some time and we've been uh, interviewing a few of the guests, but none bigger than the one on the, on the line now. Pam O'Neill, how are you? I'm good, thank you, Andrew. And Nick, how are you? Good, good. Very good. Now, uh, country racing, Pam, it, it's it's so important to these small towns. And, you know, we've had a little bit of rain uh, over the past week or so, but it's certainly not drought-breaking. And uh, racing brings these small communities together. Yes, look, I, I, used, to always, I used to always love going to the country race meetings. Um, the atmosphere and, and the people enjoying themselves... I I, I, love, I used to love going out to the country. And and you did do a bit of a trek out west here. You made it as far as Blackall? Yes, I made it to Blackall and I won the race out there. So oh, that, there that was even better. And what, <laughs> other, what other country races did you get to around Brisbane or South East Corner? Uh, I'm starting to get dementia in my yes, old age. Yeah. <laughs> I should have warned you about that question. <laughs> <laughs> Mainly, I didn't get that far out, out west. I went to when the ladies' races were on. I got to Mount Isa. All right. Yep. I rode in the ladies' races. Out there. <laughs> that, that was that was good. I went down the mines, and yep. it was a whole new experience. And um, but that mainly, when I was riding professionally, I, I didn't. I was mainly around Brisbane, mm. and, and, and I went overseas. But uh, as I said, I enjoy getting out in the country. The, the country people are great. Yeah. Now. On the bit's been a real revelation in country racing. Um, the fact that stakeholders can be anywhere and tune into Facebook and uh, and watch their horse race, and it generates a lot of interest. And uh, look, we're into our into our third year of on the bit, Pam. And um, to think that you know that there's a Sky Channel of the Outback, it's it's quite phenomenal. Well, I think it's great because I always say you lose the country racing, you're going to lose the the backbone of uh, racing because if the horses can't make their grade in town, you can always move them out west and, and they've got places to race, you know? Mm. And and usually when you have a good season out there, people come in town in here to buy horses. So yeah, I think it's the backbone of racing, the country racing. And I have the benefit of going out to uh, a couple of the few grass-fed picnic uh, meetings and calling those. And even though there's no prize monies and they're only racing for toasters, it's uh, <laughs> it gets back to the grassroots of racing, literally, and, and the fact you're racing your mates and, and you're racing for what racing's all about. Well, I went to a race meeting in Bongbong. Yes. Remember New South Wales? <clears throat> I rode a horse with Jeff Chapman down there. And I think it was Jeff Chapman. Anyhow, um, uh, the crowd at Bong Bong uh, was unbelievable. There was over 10,000 there. There wasn't anybody. There was a bigger crowd there than what there was at Greenwick. Wow. wow. And I won the race 
and uh, I got presented with a trophy on the back of the truck by Dame Zara Holt. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I think Bong Bong, Bong, Bong race, uh, they might race same day as Derby Day or might be the week I, I, before. I think yeah, something like that. But you, we talk about people, people everywhere, and there was no stands <laughs> or anything, you know, and um, they were walking around and they had bloody champagne sides in their belt. But now I think it's by invitation only. Oh, I'm yeah, there you go. Now, Pam. But oh, it was yep. a big meeting. Big. Now, Pam. Yeah, this day and age, you get coverage of uh, not only well, all sports, but horse racing. You can get so much of it at home, TV, net, uh, the internet, everything else. Uh, all your betting, you can take care of with your phone. Do you still like going out to the actual meetings? Just yes, a... I do. Mm-hmm. I, I, I still like the atmosphere and that. Uh, and as I said, especially. The country racing, I, I love, I love the people, and I love the atmosphere of it all. You know, mm-hmm. and it, it's you can sit at home and just watch it, but it's not the same. No, no. I mean, I went to not a race meeting not long ago. It was just. Uh, just good. I don't. I'm not much of a punter, but just even watching the horses go around before each race and pretending I know what I'm looking at. <laughs> <laughs> that's the guy. It's 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 rumoured, Pam. There there might be a comeback on the horizon, but in the in the trotters. Now I saw a short video of you in the gig. The hair was perfect. <laughs> Any truth to the rumour? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Trotter to drag me along the right on. <laughs> 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 that, that, you, you're talking about it, Albion Park. Albion Park, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I said to the bloke, I said, geez, this is going well. <laughs> I have, he said, you watch if I let it go. <laughs> but anyhow, we won the race. <laughs> yeah, Pam, uh, all roads tonight lead to the On the Bit Country Awards and uh, some great names there. Uh, uh, Peter Moody, yourself, Tony Clements from Radio T- TAB. But I'll tell you, the one that'll bring the house down, other than your stories, Pam, will be Rupert <laughs> McCall. Have you seen him live? Oh, yeah, I know Rupert, Rupert well. He he went to school with my nephew, Anthony yep. Merlo. And, uh, you know, he's a lovely bloke. And uh, my mum, which is why they went to their wedding, I think, where'd they come from? Uh, her people. Orgathella. Augustella, that's right. Yep. Augustella. No, he's, he's a lovely bloke, Rita. Yep. Anyway, Pam, we'll let you go and uh, looking forward to tonight's festivities. Yes, I think we'll have a drink. <laughs> <laughs> it's a summer edition heard on the Resonate Network. It's a summer edition on the Resonate Network. It's going into our second hour, and we like to kick it off slightly uncomfortably with uh, Parco's probe. Parco. You're fidgeting on your chair, Nick, and I can tell what's his, uh, his legs have tied in with Parco's probe. Now, it's all around this celebrity bushfire appeal game of cricket that is occurring. Well, it was going to occur tonight, um, but, but due, to, mm. due to rain, which we all need, um, it'll happen tomorrow night. And, and I guess the first thing on Parco's Probe is, were you both happy with the sides, Watsy? I think so. I, you know, there's always gleaming omissions or people you'd like to see play, but I think they've covered generally covered the bases of the best players. I think Mulitharan probably would have been a great uh, person yeah, to have in there because the crowd could have yelled out, Chaka! <laughs> and uh, like they used to do and throw cups of beer at him from fine leg. But um, 
Yeah. That's not the finer traditions of the game. And such a positive yeah. atmosphere for a charity game. What's he like to create? Well, no one likes to cheat. Oh, <laughs> angry, angry young man. It was, it, was, it, was, it was verified by many doctors it was um, unable to get past the horizontal. We know that. Let's move on. <laughs> what about yourself, Nick? hundred wickets later. What a cheat. Hey, uh, but um, look, yeah, it's, it's, I'm not happy with the concept. I don't like the idea of these charity games particularly. Um why is that? Uh, then I said on, as we said this morning, I, I do feel that this is an era of cricket. The players that we're going to see are the ones that people love. They're the household names. It's the last time we can say that mm. about our our, uh, our famous cricketers. Yeah, it's always a query. These things: where does the money go in the end? <laughs> All the money they raise, how much of it gets to the where where to the people, the bushfire victims and the fire support services. Look, I, I believe Warney pulled out because he didn't get as much of <laughs> as he wanted. This well, man, when, that was a view of Andrew Watts and no one else at this station. <laughs> I, um, I'm a bit surprised that you don't like these ideas. I think, you know, if, if sport's going to do something, I'd rather them do... I'd rather them actually put effort in and put a game yeah. on like this. I think it's a fantastic concept. I mean, I, the only thing I'm annoyed about, I think Stuart McGill's a bit annoyed that he didn't get the call-up for Shane Warne because he used to, <laughs> um, you know, back in the day. I can't believe that Andrew Simons is playing. Um, so I think Mark Waugh should have been there. I thought he would have been fantastic. But what's your uh, – yeah, I disagree with you there, mate. I think it's a great idea to get these older players together um, because I think, you know, regardless of, of how much money is made, it's – you know, it's supporting those families. I'd say they get some, they get some tickets. They get, um, you know, whatever money. Yeah, I think it's a great concept. I'm thinking, I'm really looking forward I, to watching. I just like, I would like to see the ledger of how much these blokes are getting for appearance. Well, that's that's, yeah, that's, that's the a query. Good point. That's the query. Where does the money go? How much money gets to the actual people? Um, because I can guarantee you right now they wouldn't be doing it for nothing. Now I reckon Stuart McGill, as soon as he heard Shane Warne wasn't in the game, refused to pick up the phone. <laughs> now I I'll be doing this my entire career, not doing it to me now. Yeah, that's it. I'm 65. <laughs> let me rest. And the great Bryce McGain was out the front of Cricket Australia wearing a nappy. Yeah. <laughs> so let's. Let, I'm putting the glove back on. So the probe question is: a lot of these players have come out of retirement. Yep. Um, some have been doing. Goodness knows what. Yep. So if you could bring someone back for a game, whatever sport, who would you bring back to watch? Nick. Oh, gosh. Yeah, well, look, if it's cricket, I'd have to bring back Brabham. I'd love to see him oh, actually bat. Um, yes. Or Victor Trumper. tough, Nick. I know. Or Victor Trumper going back even further. Just uh, You say I could bring back anyone. You didn't specify that to be alive. Yeah, true. But, uh, yeah, just... Because uh, people or people like to think, you know, oh, well, that was that was ages ago. And you go, he had a skinny bat, uh, terrible pitches, and um, <laughs> huge grounds, and he's still got the average of 99.94. I think he'd be pretty good. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I'd love to re-watch that Bodyline series today. Oh, yes. Um, Harold Lovewood. I mean, oh, yeah. it does pose the question, how quick was he? Because the, the sports medicine, that sort of stuff, wasn't yeah. around then, so you... He might have only been bowling 130, 135. I, I don't I think that's only, true. I think, yeah, I think he was very quick and very accurate. That's what he had. He had the pace and the accuracy. That, but I say that, Nick, 135 on an uncovered pitch. Yes. <laughs> Just ask Bobby Cooper what it's like to play on an uncovered pitch. <laughs> Paying for it now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I'd mine would be the great Wally Lewis. One because oh, yeah. it annoy Watsy, but yeah. two because Which I kind hilarious. of I miss seeing Wally Lewis. Like I kind of grew up after that. Yeah. I mean, Darren Lockyer is to me my generation's Wally Lewis. So I think yep. the, the stories you hear, um, I would have loved to see Wally Lewis play. Um, I've seen highlights, but just the, the you know the big moments, Wally Lewis was the man. Yeah, and I, I can understand Parker uh, Watsy not like him. A because he was playing against New South Wales and tended to win. Also, part of his 
you know, raison d'etre and being a player was getting up New South Wales' <laughs> noses. He loved it. Yeah. And, oh. uh, yeah, so uh, no oh. wonder that... Uh, and I would have loved to have gone on tour with Alan Border. They reckon his initiation was second to none. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah, we... boys, uh, first up this hour, uh, one of the great concepts uh, is Junior Rugby League and these Western Carnivals. Adrian Bowles Cups going from strength to strength. Looks like upwards of 35 teams this year in girls and boys park. And you talked to Valsey. Yeah, and it was really interesting to see the humble beginnings, how the concept actually started. And they started with very, very few teams. I won't say the number. I'll listen later. Um, but, yeah, they started very small and they've built it up to, yeah, like you're Huge. right. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, 30, 35 teams. And, and Adrian Vows, I mean, it's just good for, you know, if there's any kids listening that grow up in these remote uh, rural areas of Australia, you can make it from anywhere. Obviously, went on to play for um, play for Queensland and had a really successful uh Career in the NRL, but also the English Super League. So Adrian Vows, an absolute champion. Yep, and then sorry, I was going to say after that we're uh, joined by an old friend of us uh, uh, here us at Four LG. But we're introducing him to a wider audience, uh, sporting enthusiast and sporting player from the stands. It's going to be Matt Jones. What's he? Um, yeah, well, he loves his AFL, loves his cricket, passionate about racing, Scott. And I know sometimes you two lads have very differing opinions. Do we see any of that, hear any of that today? Oh, I think there was a bit of a, um, the olive branch was reached out. There wasn't anything too, anything too heated. I felt uh, a mutual respect. Yeah, there is a mutual respect between Matt and I. We did, um, we used to work together at the old school there. So we used to um, go off each other at playground duty and um, share some pretty intense thoughts. But we are different. <laughs> but I think, um, I think he kind of talks about what the AFL does well and what the NRL needs to do. And I was actually quite surprised that he actually showed a bit of support to the NRL. But, yeah, Matt Jones, you don't get more passionate. And, um, yeah, great bloke, great chat. Loves a pie and a, a chocolate milk. Yeah, there's a funny story about Matt. He used to tell all his kids at school he's on a diet, yet he'd rock up to school with crumbs all over his shirt from the pie. <laughs> so, um, yeah, loves the battle ropes too, Matt Jones. <laughs> it's the summer edition heard right across regional Queensland on the Resonate Network. And it's a big thanks to the Australian Mungbean Association. It's the summer edition on the Resonate Network, thanks to the Mung Bean Association. Parko, we've got a very special guest on today. Who have we got? We do, mate. And um, not many guests can we say that have something named after him. And our, and our current guest does. Um, we've got great football and our legend, uh, Adrian Vows. Adrian, how are you, mate? I'm very good, and thanks for having me on. No worries. Now, most of our listeners will know you uh, from your NRL career, and you had a great career in the Super League. Um, you played at a State of Origin. Mate, what are you up to these days? I run a uh, commercial cleaning company actually here in, in Queensland, um, so that keeps me pretty busy. And then footy-wise, I coach the Fiji national women's team, so we sort of play a couple of games during the year. So it was the very first test match last year against PNG, which we won, which is awesome. But um, yeah, that's about all I do footy-wise, but... Yeah, uh, the cleaning side of things and family keeps me pretty busy. <laughs> I could imagine it would. Now, mate, before we get into the uh, the Adrian Vows Cup, I just want to ask a quick question. A lot of footy players that we notice after their careers, they tend to let themselves go. I mean, Nick and I <laughs> did it during our career, mate. You're still in impressive shape. How much of a, uh, a goal of it was yours to stay in shape post-football? Uh, yeah, it's funny. When, when you're playing football, you go, oh, I can't wait to retire. So I don't have to train <laughs> and all that. And all of a sudden... You know, a month out, you go, oh, I'm starting to get a bit of a gut here, and you go, geez. But I've always enjoyed training, and I think also mentally-wise, I, I, I feel healthier when you train, and I, I sort of get up in the morning, 
we get up pretty early, actually, about quarter past four, and then go to the gym, and we'll go for a walk or whatever. And I just find that starts my day, and I've always done it, and I feel healthier doing it. So I don't. I promised myself I'd never uh, end up being a fat uh, <laughs> ex rugby league player. <laughs> oh, and mate, you've you've successful in that. Now I want to talk about the Adrian Vowles Cup. Now, mate, you grew up in Charleville and, and played a lot of uh, football there. How did you first hear about that they wanted to have an Adrian Vowles Cup? Well, it was actually myself and the Mad Butcher from Charles his <laughs> idea. So uh, he rang me one day. He thought he reckoned about uh, having a cup uh, named after you and to get some footy for the under-14s. And I was a little bit about using my name. I was sort of like... Um, um, I was a little bit, you know, you know, I don't know, it was an ego thing, thinking what people would say. Anyway, we, we said, let's get it going. And we ended up... Uh, 2014, we had three teams actually, and that's how it started. It was just myself and and Zoro having a conversation, and going from there, we we had no money, but we ended up pulling together somehow. And Barkhold and Miles and Charleville were the first three teams. And um, and it's built on now. How many teams have you got? I know it's coming up pretty soon. Have you got an idea of how many teams are registered for this year? Yeah, we'll have around the 30 mark this year, which is amazing. So. Um, each year with all Zara and Zara and I sort of said was we want to build it each year, whether we whether it's two teams, four teams, six teams, whatever, but we just wanna um we just wanna make it bigger and that's that's what we've done luckily and, and people have been very supportive of, of what we're doing. So that makes it easier as well. That is an astonishing growth. Uh what do you think why do you think there's so much enthusiasm for the tournament? I just think uh people realise that, you know, Footy in the bush, uh, you know the, the, the players that they do it hard. They've got to travel mm. long distances, and it's not easy. And then when the when the city uh, teams have come out, they've just they've sort of it's opened their eyes, and they've gone back and said to you know to other you know to other teams, you know this is good, and they use it as a bit of a bonding trip as well. And you know to see, you know to make the kids realise you know how good they've got it in the city, and <laughs> uh, it's you know and they get to camp at the showgrounds, and it's 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 been really good. And because we've had a lot of the same people come every year. It's now a bit of a family family thing. Mm. So we all enjoy, obviously, the footy, but we have a beer when it's finished and or two or three beers when it's finished and um, <laughs> maybe four or five. But, <laughs> but we, I'll stop but you we, there, Adrian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we just enjoy it. You know, it's, um, it's a real camaraderie. And, and the Merway Shire Council have got behind them. We've got some really good sponsors that have sort of backed us from the start as well. And Adrian, obviously, mate, you're an inspiration to many in terms of, you know, making it onto the big scene um, from, you know, humble beginnings in Charleville. What do you say to those young football players, you know, currently living in those small rural areas who have the dreams of making the NRL? Oh, just keep doing that. Keep dreaming. You know, I, I tell a story. I listened to that um, first State of Origin in the kitchen when I was living in Connemara <laughs> and with Dad and listened on the radio because we only had ABC TV. And uh, I, I said to myself there that old place out of origin one day and took me 14 years later and I had to you know I moved to Charlotte and moved to the Gold Coast and, but I, I got to do it and um, but it was I had to work hard but mm. if you believe in it you know and you work hard you can you can achieve whatever you want in life be it in sport or or business or, or whatever yeah Adrian you're an absolute legend mate and we really appreciate your time we wish you all the best uh, with the Adrian Vowles Cup and uh, we'd love to check in with you soon um, around how the tournament went
Yeah, thanks, and I really appreciate your support as well, boys. Oh, no worries. Thank you very much, Adrian. This is the summer edition on the Resonate Network. Thanks to the Australian Mung Bean Association. It's the summer edition on 4VL, 4ZR, 4HI, 4LM, 4GC, 4LG, 4SB, and Hot Country. And it's time for From the Stands, where we get a passionate cricket, a passionate sports fan for their take on various topics. Parker, who have we got this week? Well, mate, not only is he passionate about sport, he's a very talented sports player himself. He's probably in uh, probably week three of pre-season. Matthew Jones, how are you, champ? Okay, good to hear from you, mate. And Nick, listen, uh, my career is coming to an end, unfortunately. Um, I've got probably one more year left in me, Parker, on the Osgrill field. Um, very much struggling at the moment, but uh, very kind words. I am a passionate sports fan, and it's always great to be, uh, to be back on the radio there. Mate, um, and, uh, you know, it's going to be an exciting year of football. And, mate, uh, after the, the rubbish cricket that we've been dished out, I can't wait for the footy season. Now, this is an exclusive. Let's just talk more about this. is your final year, the swan song. Um, is there a do it for Pigger on the jerseys at the Rockhampton <laughs> oh, Football Club? Scotty, there should be, mate. Um, there's no doubt about it. But, unfortunately, um, look, I haven't actually really told my team yet that this is my last year. So this is <laughs> an exclusive that I, does, I hope doesn't get to Rockhampton. <laughs> Oh, listen, mate, this body's just running out of gas. It's 35 <laughs> now. It's just running out on empty. And um, the desire and passion to be the elite running athlete that I once was is gone. Um, I'll, limp through, I'll limp through one more year and then I'll take up golf, I think, mate. Yeah, probably was. I think it's all the effort you put into those battle ropes. Hey, um, mate, I guess the first thing, and we had a few arguments back in the day, and, um, you know, AFL and NRL, I know you're a very passionate AFL supporter, and the NRL, I mean, let's be honest, they're constantly playing catch-up. AFL is the dominant sport in the country. Give me just a bit of a snapshot. If Matthew Jones was asked to be put in charge of the NRL, um, what sort of ideas would you steal from the AFL to help improve its popularity and its crowds and those sort of things? What can it do better? Scotty, it's funny. You and I used to have many a, a debate about this. I've actually shifted a little bit in my, in my viewing and my analysis of this debate. I think... The reality is, and I believe, and I was thinking about this over the summer of sport, is how many sports these days are genuinely better spectacles going to live? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I honestly believe that AFL is the only sport, or one of the only sports, and I'd love your listeners to chime in and tell me what they think. But I think AFL is one of the only sports left where the viewing experience is genuinely better at the, at the venue. I don't. I, I tend to go with that. I mean, when you go to the cricket and so on, you miss all the close-ups. You miss the uh, replays, cool. even with the brand new, uh, you know, scoreboards and everything else. But AFL, it re- well, seeing the whole game yeah. really helps. Well, that, that's it. I mean, because at an AFL game, you can see everything, whereas like TV doesn't do it justice. But I just genuinely feel, unless you're going for a particular event, like a great event, like State of Origin, or you know, even I think I was talking to a mate yeah. of mine who went to the President's Cup golf. And he said that it was just the experience there. It was great to go to say you went. But as a TV spectacle, he was ringing me to find out what was going on. <laughs> I, I, AFL is always going to have that advantage because it's a terrific event to go to live and you actually see more when you go there. Uh, I just think crowd numbers aren't, aren't necessarily the best way to view how popular a sport is. Rugby league numbers are absolutely magnificent uh, on television. Um, so... Um, yes, I think AFL visually looks fantastic, but uh, I think a lot of it's got to do with just the, the game day experience there. 
The only sport I would say, and I mean, this is probably a different one because the stadium's obviously smaller. I think basketball is probably one of those sports where it's good live, not so much just for the sport, but the actual, um, I guess, the crowd participation, the music, the, yeah. the giveaways, that sort of thing. But you can't really do that at an NRL game or an AFL game because the stadiums are too big. Yeah, absolutely. And Scotty, I haven't been to too many basketball games, but they really sell the whole entertainment package yeah. um, from people that have been there. Um, I don't think rugby league should be too concerned, realistically. I think they've got a really good television product. Um, and, you know, why not just work on that? I mean, I know that the thing is, when, it, when a crowd is empty, visually it looks poor on television. And that's what I think the problem with the cricket's been this summer. Um, empty stadiums really look bad. But from a TV perspective, rugby league, whilst I'm not a, a massive supporter, it's a terrific TV product. I don't try and go head-to-head with AFL in terms of crowd because you, you'll never compete. Mm. I think they're going along okay. Now, Matt, the, uh, before we move on from AFL, the big story last year was probably the emergence of the Brisbane Lions. I think it was the first time the Gabba sold out a game in about 15 years. Um, now, you're a, you're a diehard. You're one of the, the diehard, passionate Carlton Blues uh, supporters. Could we see a similar case with them this year? Or who – I don't want to go premiership. Let's just forget the boring questions of that. Who's the big improver in the AFL? Yeah, it's a real tough one. I mean, from a biased point of view, I think we're all- <laughs> As a Carlton man, we're really holding out hope that it's our year park. Been coming good for about 15 years. Every year yeah, I speak to I you, they've got their chance. I think um, it's an interesting one. I, I, I genuinely am struggling to see who the team is got that's going to really kick into the gate because in order to do that, you've got to try and pick a team that's going to drop out. And I, I can't see, as much as, I, as bad as it is to... But Brisbane's probably the only one that I could see taking a dip yeah. <laughs> because they're in a harder end of the draw. Um, you know, and often sometimes with young blokes, it's hard to, you know, keep a, you know, often they can take a dip second year. And we saw that with Melbourne a few years yeah, ago. Yeah. Um, I think it'll be relatively even. I can't see too many teams jumping out of the ground and being big improvers. But God, I hope it's Carlton. <laughs> Mate, the, uh, speaking of the cricket, you talked about it's been a bit ordinary and uh, we haven't had a, the Australian team playing in Australia for over a month now and the last three international one days are up against the NRL and the AFL. Uh, it's been a pretty poorly organised summer of cricket. Yeah, absolutely, Nick. I think they've been destroyed by the tennis. Um, in the past, you know, cricket's been able to hold their own with the Australian Open, but, mate, you know, people have got tired of the big bash and mm. the Golden Goose. There's no question about that. <laughs> Too many games, no interest. Um, they missed that, you know, it was a beautiful boutique competition around Christmas and New Year, school holidays for kids. They're absolutely overcooked it. I don't even know who's in the final, to be honest, and don't care. Yeah. Um, yes, TV ratings have been okay. It's led into what Survivor them, so it's been a good little rating period for them, but that's all it is now. Yeah. Um, no one cares. The international cricket, as far, cricket as far as I'm concerned, ended in the last test match. Um, they've got to find a way to capture the imagination of the public because they've lost it. Mm, for sure. I reckon it should be a short sharp about a month long, the uh, Big Bash, and the, said the thing keeps on going. They just get greedy. I think once yeah. they, you know, when the season, when it first started, it was outstanding. I thought, the, you know, the, the crowds were great, viewers were in there, yeah. and they thought, let's just oversaturate it. Yeah, and yeah, they've yeah. oversaturated the market, and in some ways it's killed it. Now, Matt, before we move on to racing, yeah. um, one of the big things is we spoke about last week with our From the Stands member, Des Dyden, um, Dangerous Des, was about uh, school sport. And obviously you and I, 
we're in the schools, like we're both yeah. um, involved in the education system and we've pro- probably been teaching roughly the same side. Mate, um, concerns around lack of schools um, competing in sports and, and what, what have you seen change in your, in your time, in your career in the school, what, around school and students in sport? Absolutely blessed, Parker, in terms of what happens here in central Queensland, uh, in Rockhampton, Mackay, and this area, in that they... There is an old hand of teachers and, um, you know, loyal, uh, you know, veterans of the game that really support school sport in this part of the world. Um, you know, every Friday we have here is dedicated to inter-school sport. Now, how do you do that? How do you capture that in the West? I'm unsure of how it's done. Um, but in terms of school-organised competition, it's still very strong here in Rockhampton. Parker, are you referring to more the fact that in general kids have lost that desire? Well, no, I think what you're saying, because, I mean, even when I started at, in Longreach, I mean, we had organised Friday afternoon sports. So I guess my, my big question, I think, and you've probably answered it, I think it comes down to personalities in schools as opposed to policies. Is that a fair, que- is that a fair statement? Sport, what, what you've done in sport, and I'll, I'll give you a pump up, what you continue to try and do in well, my experience in Longreach is huge. Um, you need all parties on board. Unfortunately, schools are under a lot of pressure these days to definitely uh, hit all their sort of curriculum areas. But I just feel as if, you know, in, in, maybe I'm being a bit controversial here, but I just think in central Queensland, wouldn't it be fantastic, sorry, out, out west to, to have, say, um, you know, schools competing against each other on a, um, on a Friday afternoon? It doesn't have to be every Friday, but I just think it'd be absolutely magnificent. Um, I know they certainly do it here in Rockhampton. It's the highlight of my week. But not only that, Parko, it's the highlight of the, the kids and it's the highlight of the, the, a lot of the parents as well. So, um, you know, school sport needs to stay strong. There's no doubt about that. And, um, yeah, as I said, I hope it continues for a long time. For sure. Now, before we let you go, Matt, tonight is the night of nights for country racing on the Bet Awards night. How have you been going with the country racing? Look, I, I'm not following it as closely as I did when I was out west, but I certainly know about the On The Bit Awards. And what a fantastic lineup of, uh, you know, guests they've got um, coming there. Uh, I noticed Rupert McCall, one of my favourite poets. Is that correct, Nick? He's, That's right. He'll be back. He's there. And Peter Moody, who's going back into training. So the boys certainly know how to, how to get together and, um, and, and hold an event. That's for sure. Mark, are you going? No, mate. I didn't. I'm not going this year. Um, yeah, sit this one out, unfortunately. But Watsy will represent all of us um, in a big way, wearing a pink shirt, I imagine. And uh, Watsy and Max Tanks both up for awards tonight. Oh, mm. the same award, I believe. No, different awards. Oh, different awards. Max is newcomer. Well, there you go. Well, they're great. <laughs> both great uh, supporters of country racing. So it's a terrific event. Um, yeah, let's hope they can uh, snag an award. All right. Okay. Well, Matt Jones from the stands. Thanks very much for your time today. This is the summer edition on. The Resonate Network. It's the summer edition on the Resonate Network. Uh, what's it? Yeah, and big thanks to all our contributors today, uh, Nick, before we move on. Mm. Yeah, we've had a uh, great uh, lineup today, uh, including Tim Horan, uh, Pam O'Neill, we've had our Adrian Bowles, uh, Matt Jones from the stands, Frank Lamley from Central Highlands Rugby, uh, a rugby league, I should say, don't want to insult anyone, and Peter Terry from USQ. Now, boys, each and every summer edition, we like to look into the crystal ball, give it a good shake, and uh, see what we come up with. And this week, we are going to 
look at fairy tales or potential fairy tales or someone you'd like to see a fairy in a fairy tale uh, for 2020. <laughs> sporting fairy tales, sport, we should emphasise. Sporting, sporting fairy tales. Um, and I'm going to go to you, Nick, first of all. Right, I reckon friend of the show, Harry Wilson. Uh, we'll play lock for the Wallabies this year. Score a match-winning try. That's my story. What do you reckon? I love it. Yeah, I reckon it's going to happen. And I love it. That's t- keeping everyone happy. I love it's positive. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with. Uh, we had a recent tragedy in basketball with Kobe O'Brien mm. uh, tragically passing away in a helicopter ac- helicopter accident. I'm going to go the Los Angeles Lakers in the NBA will win the NBA finals and they'll do it for Kobe. Nice one. And so many times you see stories like that, Scott, in racing particularly, you might see an owner pass and, and the next horse, the next start, the horse comes out and wins. It just how, how it pans out. Could not agree um, more. I've, I've got a double shot one here for the NRL. Oh, all right. I think the Titans are going to bring down the house this week <laughs> and they're going to finish 15th. <laughs> they're going to get one off the bottom. They're going to save their souls for another year. The Gold Coast skunks, here we come. <laughs> and then, um, my other one is the Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs to finish top four, make the grand final and get beat by 58. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I love the specificity of that. And I like, how, I like how out of the two predictions, the Bulldogs one's more likely. <laughs> Uh, the game we were offending that one Gold Coast Titans fan in our whole 400,000 listening audience. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, this has been the summer edition. Thanks very much, Watsy. Appreciate you getting on the line like this. And uh, now you've got a busy day and a busy night ahead of you. Yeah, it should be a great night down here in Emerald, just recapping the On The Bit Country Awards. Jump onto the Facebook page for the live stream of the awards tonight. Uh, we've just had that confirmed. Also, a list of award winners will be up in the morning. Fantastic. And uh, Parker, thanks once again for your contribution. Invaluable as ever. Always my pleasure. And Watsy, just remember, if you don't win an award, don't cry. It'll be okay. (laughs) This is the summer edition. Thanks to the Australian Mung Bean Association. See you next week.